Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by a guy who never wears underwear when he's playing sports. What's up, Gene? I mean, truth be told, I just don't wear underwear. That's that's been <laughs> that's what I've learned during quarantine is there's no point in wearing underwear. Uh, my name's Gene Zielak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. You can find the show at Potadelphia, where we're probably going to be making snarky comments about stuff that's happening around Philadelphia. Sometimes it's not about sports because there's only so much to talk about right now. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, we touched a little bit on it last week. Um, but, you know, we're going to dedicate the entire show today to WIP. Stuff going on with WIP, shameless promotions on WIP, and our uncommercialized, unfiltered uh, re reactions and takes on some of these events. Now, I mean, I'll say that I grew up uh, listening to, you know, I, I guess, you know, in some some people would call me a four for four uh but uh, really, I was a, a an all-day listener. You know, when I woke up in the morning, I would put on the morning show. I would take my lunch break and listen to the, the afternoon show and drive home listening to, uh, to Eskin in the evening. You know, I, th there was no – there was nothing else as far as what was on my radio. I didn't listen to music. I, I just listened to Sports Talk Radio. I just devoured it like it was uh, the only thing happening in the world. Uh, but over time, things changed, and I realized that – Specifically, WIP kind of lost its uh, lost its 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 shine, um, and I have started to develop some real issues with the way that they do business and the way that they talk about sports in Philadelphia. Um, you know, and they've introduced competition into the market. The fanatic has come around, and for a while, I thought they were actually a legitimate, better alternative. But you know, I guess it's just the way the business is they've kind of fallen into the same traps that WIP has. And I, I mean, I'll be the first to admit that since we've been under lockdown, I have not put on much sports radio. There hasn't really been a reason to, but I specifically there, there's nothing that would be more depressing to me right now than having to listen to a sports talk radio host, uh, try to tap dance for three hours and figure out what it is to say, especially three months into not having any live games. It's hard enough for us to do it one day a week for an hour and a half i can't imagine what those guys are going through so i have some sympathy having tried to do this but uh it doesn't mean i'm not going to be like way way critical and bust their chops uh because they're getting paid to do this and i certainly do not <laughs> well yeah i, I mean i'm kind of in the same boat as eugene without without being in a car for two hours a day my sports radio consumption whether it's you know radio or podcasts um, you know, I just don't really have an opportunity to do it. The, the one the, the one caveat to that is while I'm home working, I will throw on the Mike Missinelli show on Comcast Sportsnet um, just as background noise and stuff like that. So I, I am picking up some of the things that, you know, they're, they're talking about. But I am also keeping up with WIP and uh, 97.5 just going through my Twitter feed. Right. Oh, yeah, sure. Me and, too. And you just see the stuff that, like, hey, uh, Joe Giulio is talking about right now. They're like, Mark McGuire should be in the Hall of Fame. Or, um, you know, who's Philly? Who's Philly enough for Philly? <laughs> uh, you know, and, and that and that old debate. So the before last week's show, um, I saw a tweet from Angelo Cataldi. <laughs> 
um, that was addressed uh, addressing uh, well here's the tweet it says professional golfer uh Paige Spiranak revealed that she does not wear underwear because it's too many layers with her already tight shorts is this a common practice in sports and then there, he includes two pictures of her um one is just her in her home uh with a very low cut top on and another one is her on a golf course wearing uh like a tank top and like tight pants golf pants i guess they're golf pants um and he basically got destroyed in the comments like i don't know gene like the tweet itself like the words themselves that are written um don't seem to be specifically very offensive right but when you add the visuals what's that when you add the visuals well, when you add the visuals and then you also add the um, like the avatar of Angelo Cataldi and you've listened to him for as many years as we have listened to him, this whole thing takes on a very creepy vibe um, to it. And, you know, I mean, he if is you look the at God, the comments, he's the godfather of the most creepy thing in Philadelphia. Yeah, the wing ball, right? <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so um yeah the comments are all like you know you creep delete your account you know retire retire is the big one like you know you know how like trump just shouts like law and order right people will just shout in cataldi's comments retire right and uh he deleted his twitter account so he's he's caved to the to the masses under under pressure I guess you know I haven't listened to the the show to hear a response, so I'd be interested to see if uh, you know he's come out and and publicly said anything about it, or if they've screened out all the calls that were related to this. Uh, but I, I'm assuming it's just for him, it's just not worth it. I mean, he's right. made a lot of idiotic statements on Twitter uh, that now are you know are only archived by those who have screen captured them. Um, but I guess just, you know, this was just one too many and too many outcries from the public. And, um, I'm just kind of wondering if this is like a portent of things to come with the way sports talk radio is going, because, you know, you alluded to it, like you used to listen to it. And now that you're, you know, you've gotten older, you've kind of evolved and you don't look at it the same way as you looked at it before. Is that kind of like, you know, we as Philadelphia sports fans have evolved. Like we don't want to just hear someone slam all four coaches every day and, you know, until they get fired and then they just slam the new, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of Cataldi's stick. Right. Well, my biggest, I guess, issue with Angel has always been, he has been much more ringmaster than sports talk radio host. Um, you, you always hear about, uh, you know, they talk about in sports how there's usually the guy that makes the other people around him better. Um, Cataldi, I feel like, has always been the weakest part of his own show. Uh, I always feel like he seems the least knowledgeable about what he's talking about. And, you know, often he surrounds himself with other people who know more about the things that he's talking about. And he often makes himself look foolish by taking the sort of positions that he takes. And he's been doing this for a long time. But I I never understood why a guy like that would even take to Twitter as any kind of a a medium. 
you know, I, I guess to a certain degree when you're in the business, it's encouraged that you sort of do this to sort of drum up. Sure. Relevancy. Relevancy and, and, and you know, interaction with people. But, you know, at some point you would think that the powers that be probably at the radio station are like, you know, dude, you, you're, you're, you're doing yourself more harm than good. Why don't you just kind of stay in your lane? I've never understood why they've decided to keep him around as long as they have at this point. I feel like he's made himself completely irrelevant as far as anybody using him as a, a marker of how Philadelphia sports are. Or, you know, when was the last time you heard somebody be like, oh, Angelo made such a great point the other day. I, I can't imagine that that's a conversation that, that anybody has anymore. Um, he's he's just not he's just not relative he's just not relevant as far as what sports is now. Uh, for one thing, Philadelphia sports are a lot more about all four teams, and 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 WIP itself is really the Eagles and then everything else second. Even though they're the flagship of the Phillies, um, it's 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 mind boggling sometimes the the stuff that that gets pumped out of that. That radio station. Now, I know they do it because they 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 want the interaction. I imagine right now, what's going on is that you have the the true uh, most insane of the insane that are listening uh, on a pretty daily basis. You know, most of the people that have any sort of uh, logic function in the brain still working are not listening on a daily basis and are not calling in. Um, I think what you have is the truly like desperately addicted, and um, you know maybe you know teetering on the edge of of total insanity that are listening well, yeah and, and that's what the call the call the callers at this point have become characters on the show and it's really not most of the time it's really not indicative of like actual humans that are living in the greater philadelphia area that are engaged in sports in an either intense or casual way i mean it, it, it's and it also seems kind of funny to me that you're talking about a city that at least some portion of it is reluctant to root for Villanova because it's not a Philly school. Right. Uh, yet we make Angelo Cataldi number one in the city, even he's, though he's from, he's New from York. Rhode Island, yeah. he's a Yankees fan. You know, ultimately I, you know, it's hard to believe his Philadelphia fandom. And he's the uh, one that's been trying to dictate what makes somebody Philly for two decades. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was him and his in his his minions that were the ones that went and booed Donovan McNabb at the draft. Uh, And I I think that that was such a Donovan never got over that for, you know, Donovan's got his own issues. But like that was a radio stunt. And Donovan didn't get that. That was not the majority of of the fan base that felt that way about him for a long time. But he carried that chip on his shoulder. He's probably he's probably got that. He's talking about it probably right now. Uh, that's how angry he's been about that for the whole time. The only if time he's Aldi and the dirty 30 did not go to the draft to boo Donovan McNabb. Would he have won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia? No, I don't think anything would have changed, but you know, it certainly would have given Donovan like one less thing that he could have, uh, you know, moped about to a certain degree. Right. Well, yeah, so basically the the thing the thing that I've been getting at with sports talk and particularly WIP and particularly the Cataldi show is look, you know, ju- we are not Negadelphia anymore. And like, you know, I don't know when the city overall shed that image or when I personally did, 
but you know the, that show and and that stage i mean it really harbors that type of sentiment is the the negadelphia fan i'll tell you it was it was a lot more fun to not be negative when the phillies were really good it was a lot more fun to not be negative in 2017 when the eagles were really good it's been a lot more fun to try and lean into the more positive parts of what's happening than it used to be. We didn't know what it was like to feel good for a long time. Growing up, the closest thing we got to a championship was that lightning in a bottle 93 Phils team and then the 01 Sixers. Like there was there wasn't like, you know, our generation didn't have our championships until we were well into our 30s. Um mm-hmm. so you know, it's hard to sort of it was hard to understand anything but being negative. But, you know, I think that to a certain degree, when you win, it's time to start adopting a winning attitude. Now you, you know, and that's why I feel like the city needed to sort sort of turn the entire ship towards a, you know, we can actually be positive about the things that are happening in sports. Now, that being said, there are certainly things to be negative about but to be negative from the jump on certain things can start to get a frustrating and b the sort of thing that i just tune out to at this point well or to be unnecessarily negative or or to just automatically assume that a plan isn't going to work out all the time all the time like the whole the whole thing with the process you know like i can understand why somebody would be you know, like doubtful or not like it. Like, all right. Yeah. We'll put it that way. I, I, I think it would be, it's fair to say that somebody could not like the process. Sure. When going through the process, I don't like this. I believe personally that, you know, a team should try to win all the time to the best of their ability, no matter what the circumstances are fine. If you see it that way, that's a difference of opinion, but to just be, you know, negative about it and assume it's not going to work. I mean, you got to at least let the plan see itself through to see whether it's worth it or not. And we'll evaluate it later, but to automatically assume that everything is just not going to work. It's not going to work. It's like, it's all this doom and gloom. I just can't take it. Well, and and that's a good point that you bring up because one of the things that I, I noticed just today going through Twitter is all of a sudden, as we creep closer and closer to perhaps the NBA restarting, we just got the Sixers tentative schedule released this week, um, which man, like if this really comes to, to, to play, we are going to get, we're going to go from a, 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 a complete lack of sports to basically sports lo- overload. Cause we'll, the Phillies will have been starting up right around that same time. We'll have uh, the Sixers basically playing every other day um, leading up into the playoffs. And one of the things I noticed is all of a sudden, out of nowhere, very seriously out of nowhere, because there hasn't been an NBA game played since February uh, or late or early March, all of a sudden you just get these people that are like Al Horford. Uh, Al Horford sucks. Al Horford is the worst signing in Philadelphia history. Al Horford is uh, garbage. We haven't seen Al Horford play for the Sixers in a single playoff series. Now, has anything we've seen this year necessarily given us credence to think that this was the best signing in Philadelphia history ever? No. But I will say this. We needed, under in the offseason, to have a reliable, competent backup that can play the five behind Joel Embiid. And history may judge that it's not Al Horford that's the problem. Right. 
there's plenty of other people that it could be that's messing up Al Horford. Right. Right. It could be the coach. It could be that he's not being used correctly. It could be a lot of things. But the fact is, there was nothing that happened between uh, May 1st and now that would indicate that we need to get on Twitter and start ripping Al Horford, <laughs> other than the fact that that's just what somebody decided to drum up this week. And that's the sort of thing that frustrates me. If there is ever a time that you should just be optimistic for the fact that the Sixers are going to be coming back after this long layoff, this would be the time to just be excited to be able to watch a basketball game that counts. Yeah, I mean for sure, and you know, to more than that, you're gonna get you're gonna get MLS in like less than two weeks. Yeah, uh, and they're gonna have they're gonna have they're gonna have some record. So yeah, we're gonna we're just, we're gonna start getting a lot of stuff really fast, and you know, we'll see when hockey comes too, um, and you're gonna add that to the mix. So yeah, we should have a good. A good amount of sports coming up in the next two or three weeks uh, to keep ourselves occupied with, which is good news. So uh, it, it's been interesting the sorts of material that the um, the sports talk radio has been uh, sort of using. I mean, they've gotten pretty far on on some of the older tropes, but this uh, very recently the, the WIP did something called the Goat of Broad Street. Did you did you did this hit your radar at all, Dave? So I didn't hear any of it. Um, I did see some of the stuff on like i did see like results coming through on twitter so how did they run this was it like an online poll or something basically from what i gather it was based on some sort of voting mechanisms from callers listeners and then also the host now i don't know how it was weighted i don't know if the hosts carried more weight into this sort of conversation um or if it was strictly just you know during a particular show they would have a matchup and I don't know how it how it lined up, but basically it ended up with a top 20 best Philadelphia athletes in the last 50 years is what it comes down to. Um, yeah, were they were they ranked in any particular order? Th- they ended up being ranked in a particular order, it looks like. Um, okay, so... And that sort of drummed up some of the more major controversy that sort of came out of this is basically what it came down to is who finished one and two. Now, Can I just go through the top the top 10? Yeah. So they have, um, uh, and I guess I'll do these in descent. So number 10 is Bernie Perrant. Number nine was Nick Foles. Number eight, Steve Carlton. Number seven, Julius Irving. Number six, Bobby Clark. Number five, Chase Utley. Number four, Brian Dawkins. Number three, Reggie White. Number two, Mike Schmidt. And number one, Allen Iverson. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the controversy started with Allen Iverson finishing ahead of Mike Schmidt. Um, which led to series of memes of Allen Iverson doing the step over of Mike Schmidt, which I guess in a bubble or in a vacuum would be funny, but um, you know, it, it's, it's not really, honestly. Um, I, I don't know. I... Are there Allen Iverson fans that were so desperate to push him to the top of this meaningless poll that they would have to, uh, you know, show him stepping over Mike Schmidt. <laughs> Can I just kind of say, I just have to say something here. You cannot have the greatest of all time of Broad Street be a player that does not have a championship. Right. I agree with you. I, like how there's only two guys on that list that do not have a championship in Philadelphia, and that is Reggie White and Allen Iverson. You mean in the top 10? That's in the top ten. Yeah, there's. I mean, there is twenty. I mean, you know, they got Jason Peters on that list. They got uh, 
Randall, you know, there's like, like, come on. Are you, are you crazy? Uh, Lindros is on there. Barkley is on there, you know, and there's, if you made a list of guys that in Philly that have not won a championship that are greatest of all time, I think, yeah, Allen Iverson might be number one. Right. But I think that he falls way, way down the list when you take that out of the equation. I think that, you know, the fact that this list doesn't go one, two, Mike Schmidt and um, Dr. J, it, it it floors me. And then probably three would be Bernie Perron. Like, Bernie Perron has two Stanley Cups. So the second, I mean, the second qualifier here after, like, all right, you won a championship. That's table stakes. The next thing has to be, are you in the Hall of Fame? Or right. are you a first ballot Hall of Famer when right. your time comes? And that really narrows this list down to Mike Schmidt. If we take the championship and Hall of Famer, Mike Schmidt, Brian Dawkins, Bobby Clark, Dr. J, Steve Carlton, and Bernie Perrant. Yeah. Were you ever the best at your position? You know what I mean? Like, that should be a major factor in this. Mike Schmidt might be the best third baseman of all time in all of Major League Baseball. That's fairly undisputed. There's really two people in the whole conversation. It's him and Brooks Robinson. That's it. Everybody else is second. Everything else falls behind. Um, you know, Bobby yeah, Clark right, and, and, yeah. and, and Bernie Perrant have two cha- – they have two championships. Most of these other people have one. Right. Um, so I think that that also elevates them. The, I mean, part of my whole problem with the whole premise is how do you even quantify the, the – you know – the greatest of all time on Broad Street, like the greatest Philadelphia athlete of all time. How do you even compare these sorts of things together? What what metric is being used? This seems like it is strictly a, um, a, a strictly a nostalgia sort of tug sort of thing. And a lot of these people that are probably uh, voting in this, A, have an Eagles bias, and B, probably have a recency bias. I'm amazed that Allen Iverson ended up finishing first, to be totally honest with you. I mean, to say Nick Foles is the ninth greatest ass athlete, the ninth greatest athlete to play in Philadelphia is insane. He's not even the th- probably in the top three best quarterbacks that have ever played in Philadelphia. I mean, it's just insane. And y- Yes, he was know, the think- MVP of the Super Bowl. Yes, I appreciate everything that Nick Foles did. That still does not make him one of the top three Eagles quarterbacks of all time. It just doesn't. All right, so for you, it's it's Mike Schmidt is the the greatest Philly athlete. Of I all feel time. like that's sort of. I mean, if you, if you're going by any sort of metric, he played his entire career here. He is absolutely a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's won a championship. He won multiple uh, All Star appearances. He won an MVP of the league. He led the yeah. league in the, the 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 metric that is for his position, both in fielding and in uh, and in power statistics, like there, you know, he checks all of the boxes. Um, the only thing that people say about Mike Schmidt is that maybe he had a bad relationship with the press. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I would say, I, I mean, for me, a top five would look like Mike Schmidt would be in there. Bobby Clark, Bernie Perrant, Steve Carlton. And I, I, I would be looking at, um, Doctor, maybe mean, Doctor J, Dr. yeah, J? something, something you know, like that. The uh, eighty, the eighty three Sixers team, which is often cited as maybe possibly the best team in NBA history, you know, 
But yeah, you, the, you know, you look through this. And there's list. no, there's no uh, Wilt Chamberlain on this list. Well, they said within the last fifty years, does he qual? Is he does he fall okay. into that? I guess not. Um, you know, Wilt's often cited as you know the debate for the greatest uh, player in NBA history is has become uh, Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. I don't know why Wilt has fallen out of that conversation. Uh, from what everything I've ever understood about Wilt Chamberlain is that he was fairly dominant during his time. Um, he's lead, you know, he was the all time single game scorer. That's he hasn't most, got for anything. Most serious intellectual like comparisons about NBA players will say non center. Okay. Like that's kind of like you, they're so different that it's difficult to compare. Like, how, how do you compare Michael Jordan to Will Chamberlain? You know, it's just you can't. Most will just say, like, you know, the best non center of all time, right. You know, you know, almost like the centers are a, a completely which I understand, and, and and probably it's it's Bill Russell, Wilt, and you know whoever would be third, uh, Elajuan, maybe somebody like that. Uh, Kareem, well, Joe probably. Frazier on this list is interesting, which I thought was interesting. He's a non he, he didn't play for a team sport. Would you would you say he's the greatest of all time on Broad Street? Like I guess part of that infers that you um, competed in. One of the arenas that was literally on Broad Street. I don't know how many times Joe Freezer fought fought at the Spectrum, um, but that's certainly an interesting addition. It feels forced. It feels like it's one of those things where WIP is like, you know, boxing is a sport. We should probably include it. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. And and as much as I love Chase Utley, the fact that he's in the top ten strikes me as uh, I I don't think uh, even. I don't see Jimmy Rollins on this list, which to me seems wrong. If there's a Hall of Famer off of the 08 team, I think that Jimmy Rollins is the best case. And you've got Ryan Howard and you've got um, Chase Utley here. I don't see Jimmy Rollins. Joe Frazier really skimming, oh, no, no, the, he is. skimming he is. the edges of that 50 Jimmy Rollins mark. is here at 15. Okay, so that's that's okay. Yeah, but Utley is so far ahead of Jimmy Rollins on this list. But that, I mean, then Chase Utley never won the MVP of the league. Jimmy Rollins did. <laughs> so this is basically what we're talking about here. Like we're we're this is a oh, this is a gimmick. Um, it was you know I, I don't know I don't know how the voting was compiled on this, but it just I mean it just goes to show you this is the this is the composite makeup of WIP and its listeners. Do, do you think that, like, now seeing this, or you're like, well, WIP put this out. This is this is canon, so to, so, so to speak. Hell no. Hell no. I mean, they, they, they are no longer – I don't know if they ever really were to say the, the end-all, be-all, but, I mean, no way. No one takes this list seriously. And the fact that it's not even – like, the fact that Allen Iverson is number one on this list – kind of makes the list itself like what's the point right yeah the uh, fact it, that you have somebody a, leading the list that does not have a title and you have all of these people behind him who do i mean he is in the hall of fame that i think is something that you would qualify but i don't know like the the, the nick Foles in, in the top 10 bothers me the the, the chase utley in the top five bothers me yeah, it's a lot of recency bias. So you know, you have a lot of people that don't know um, the history of of Philadelphia sports in the last fifty years, and like to put it into context in the grand scheme of things, like you know, I I really would like 
the per, the the representative of Philadelphia to be somebody that you know is of a championship Hall of Fame caliber. Like it's got to be, it's got to be those two. Like you can't, like those are table stakes, man. It's just like, look, when I watch a reality show, if you get voted out and get back in the game, to me, you cannot win. Right. You should not be voted eligible to win that game. Right. Uh, but uh, the players are willing to do it. I, I just, to me, it's like those two things are like, don't even come to the table. Especially when you have not only like, it's not like there's just one other, like there are several other people on this list that meet that requirement. There's several. But I I don't know if it's some sort of inferiority complex with the city. It's like, we we always want to be like almost. And that's, that is, oh my gosh, that is like the epitome of WIP WIP thrives to keep Philadelphia in the, Oh, we're so always so close. So close. They're like WIP are the people that, uh, that worship Rocky for the fact that he, he, he took his best shot at the champ and lost. You know what I mean? Winning is good. Winning is good, but coming close and losing might even be better. Might even be better. People rabid. Yeah. Yeah, it keeps it keeps the base rabid and you can manipulate them and they fall for your fire. Everyone bullshit fire. Everyone sign. Everyone cut. Everyone bullshit. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, what what was better for ratings? Uh, Chip Kelly or uh, the, the Super Bowl run? I, I venture to say what the thing that was better for rating was Chip Kelly. There's a hell of a lot more people calling to complain about Chip Kelly than there probably were to talk about how great Doug Peterson it was. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you you know, I, uh, I, speaking of like gimmicks from WIP, uh, a while back, like when the whole uh, coronavirus and shutdown hit, and we were without sports for a while, and you know, everyone's doing like uh, top 10 list. Who's the who's the greatest of all time? Who's your Mount Rushmore? We we were doing Desert Island stuff. I mean, right. like everyone's looking for something. So, uh, WIP and the infinite wisdom of Spike Eskin came up with an idea that's called the end all be all. The end all. Oh no! Be all. Once and for all. Once and for all. once and for all. So they wanted to take Philly sports debates that they talk about every fucking day (laughs) and settle them once and for all, thereby rendering their station irrelevant (laughs) because all these topics that they thrive on have now been settled quote unquote once and for all. (laughs) And they, they asked the fans uh, to uh, put in topics. So there were, it was a week of this and every day was focused on them. Um, so Monday was, is Donovan McNabb underrated or overrated? Uh, Tuesday was who was really the most important player on the 08 Phillies Wednesday was Sam Hinkie, a good GM for the Sixers Thursday, Carson Wentz versus Nick (laughs) Foles. Fuck you. And Friday, Joe Giglio versus everyone on Gabe Kapler. So I'm going to start off by saying I'm going to cross out any discussion about Joe Giglio versus everyone <laughs> on Gabe Kapler. Uh, to me, like Joe Giglio is, is just an attention hound who is a contrarian. It's like the sky is red. You know, the two plus two is five. 
that's his only shtick, you know, the, and the, uh, the, the Mark McGuire hall of fame thing really solidified that for me just wants to be a contrarian. So I'm not even gonna talk about, unless you think for some reason, Gabe Kapler needs some defending. On this <laughs> no, show. No, I think we're all on the record about how we feel about Gabe Kapler. So the, let's just talk about the premise of this. Like I, I like it. Like, you know, you're going to get all the hosts and their definitive takes on these topics. It gets people energized to call in. However, I just see that main flaw in the whole thing. Like the once and for all thing. It's just like, well, then why are we, why are we ever like, if I hear you guys talking about this, it's like, no, fuck you. You said once and for all. So we, we did it and now it's done. Right. There is no Carson Wentz versus Nick Foles talk anymore. Right. right? I never right? have to hear right? that again. <laughs> we know that's what, not true well what are your thoughts on the gimmick uh you know much like you i, I don't hate the uh, the idea simply because like some of these things need to be rendered uh vaulted you know in the disney movie sense of the word <laughs> you know <laughs> vaulted until i bring it back out again and charge you way more money for it um but you know I, I like the idea. I certainly like the idea of maybe getting like an ultimate take on it. Uh, there really wasn't a lot. There's not a lot else to, to really go with. So I, I certainly like this premise better than like some uh, arbitrary, ethereal, uh, greatest of all time on Broad Street, which <laughs> clearly didn't work out in any kind of uh, actual <laughs> metric that defined who a, the greatest player of all time in Philadelphia was. Yeah, I mean the problem is is just some of these are just there there is an answer and we already know what it is. I mean right. um yeah, is Donovan McNabb underrated and overrated? I don't even know why that's even a question. Right. I, I think he's appropriately rated. Right. As of right now, he, he sits as the best Eagles quarterback of all time. I don't think that's an overrating statement. No. I don't think we're vaulting him into the Hall of Fame. Uh I just think he's appropriately evaluated at this point because there's been so much time. Now, if you wanted to say, you know, while Donovan was playing, did we, but I don't think so. I I think he was an MVP. No, not MVP. He was an all pro level quarterback, uh, which was what we expected from him, particularly in the playoffs. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I don't think he was overrated or underrated. I think he was just appropriately rated. I, I think that anyone who seriously sits down and considers the question of who the best Eagles quarterback is of all time at this point, because we can only go as far as we are right now, you have to say that by any metric, except for the fact that the Eagles won a Super Bowl without him, that he probably is statistically and by record the best quarterback the Eagles have ever had. He was handcuffed in certain ways by bad roster management and poor weapons uh, put around him, but he was still able to achieve uh, a long stretch of success and actually get the Eagles to a Super Bowl. How the hell is Nick Foles number nine on the greatest of all time list? Donovan McNabb is number 11. Yeah. Carson Wentz isn't on the list. Which Carson is Wentz fine. Isn't, he shouldn't yeah, be not on yet. the list. But yet you want to like most people or the consensus would be that Foles is a better quarterback than Nick Foles. So you're saying Nick Foles, the greatest of all time. He had a like seven game run 
as a quarterback. Uh, this is the same guy that, that couldn't secure a job as the starting quarterback in Jacksonville. Just, I'm just like, you know, and I am as big a fan as Nick Foles as anybody else for what it is. You know what I mean? I, I'm I, slipping. I'm slipping. I'm slipping into the Carson Wentz, <laughs> Nick Foles thing, and I need to climb out of it. That's let Thursday, me, Dave. We have three other days to get to before we get climb to out of it. I don't know. It's not. Um, all right. So who, who, who was really the most important player on the OA Phillies? Like, why is the question even phrased that way? Why is really in the question? Who was right. really the most important player on the OA? As if we're, we're claiming that it was Eric Bruntlett the whole time. <laughs> but who was really? You, you say it was Pat Burrell. <laughs> uh, so this leads me to my question that I would have, I would have liked to have seen on this list. Is is Jimmy Rollins a Hall of Famer? Yes, that's a much better question. And because the the good thing about that is there is no answer, right? Not yet. And the variable is you know what do you consider a Hall of Fame player to be? Right. The next variable is how should you in the city feel about it? Because you know I had this conversation this weekend with Dr. Keith Heck, by oh, the way. Oh, nice. Um, and to me, I feel like. We should, as a city, be campaigning to put Jimmy Rollins in the Hall of Fame. The same way like, we campaign for a lot of players, we campaign for Brian, uh, for uh, Brian Dawkins. Dawkins, yeah. Like you wouldn't go to your son's job interview and tell the hiring manager he's really good, but you probably can find better if you just look around a little harder. Like, you shouldn't do that. He's no. ours. We should want him to be in the Hall of Fame. Like, why wouldn't you want Jimmy Rollins to go in the Hall of Fame? I mean, is there a case to be made against him going to the Hall of Fame? Sure. But should we a... be making it? Right. Let other people make it. Was he Was he the most dominant shortstop for a decade? No. No. But he did offer a level of consistency that is on par with other existing hall of fame shortstops and other players that are being considered for enshrinement into the hall of fame. And so how many, how many shortstops in his era were in contention for an, uh, a, a most valuable player? And certainly how many of them won a most valuable player? So here's That's my question, right now, whether you think Jimmy Rollins is a hall of famer or not, um, would you argue that another player from the 08 Phillies, is closer than Jimmy? Uh, no, the, I don't think there's another player in the 08 Phillies that's closer. No. So Jimmy Rollins, the most important player from the 08 Phillies. Right. I think that, <laughs> I mean, that that's what you would have said. At the, I, I think at the time uh, on the team, they might have so said took, that. You took a dumbass question over the next logical question, which would have probably sparked a better debate and like, you could have gotten the same, some of the same conversation, but you could have sharpened the point on the pencil a little what, bit. What, what do you think the debate is, though? I, like, I, you know, the other debate, certainly I know the Donovan de debate, but what, do, do people, are there people that are saying that it's somebody other than Jimmy Rollins? Are there people that are saying that it's. Look, you can, look, I, I'll tell you what, any one of those guys, Jimmy Rollins, Chase Otley, Ryan Howard, uh, Cole Hamels, like, those that's basically who the debate is with, right? Like it's gotta be one of the, or, or um, uh, Brad Lidge. Any one of those guys is not on the team. They're not winning the world series. Right. Absolutely. So 
right there, the question is sort of irrelevant. I mean, very honestly, but, you know, in the in the stretch that is the playoffs, Cole Hamels isn't on the team. The Phillies don't win the World Series. Cole Hamels was probably the biggest contributor of you know in the actual playoff run. I don't you know, know, dude. Fuck. Like, if Matt Stairs isn't on the team, do they win the World Series? Probably not. I mean, well, I don't know. But that's Who the knows? Thing. But that's the thing. Baseball, more against, than any uh, other sport, like very is is very dependent on having people. Pitchers cannot score the runs in most cases, and Ryan Howard at first base can't get all of those outs. Like you, you very, <laughs> you need all of those pieces in yeah, place the I way mean, that they are. I don't know. If Ryan Madsen's not on the team, do they win? If Pedro Feliz isn't on the team, do they? I mean, third base was a mess for so long. Yeah, I, I don't know. The, the that, but that's not the question. Who's the most important player on the 08 Phillies? It's got to be Jimmy Rons, the leader of the team, the table setter. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. You, Yes, you can make a case for the other guys, but Jimmy Rons the best player. He's the closest to being a Hall of Famer. Right, and he was the best player. You know, he was in his peak at that time. So what's Tuesday? Uh, all right, so. Well, or here, that is Tuesday. Well, here's my next question then. Fine. Here's a well, who's the who's the second most important player on the O'Neill? <laughs> Probably either Cole Hamill or Ryan Howard, I would think. Uh, that's funny. Uh, or Jason Worth. Jason Worth would probably have a very serious conversation. Uh, Shut your mouth. Sure. He left and went. If he didn't leave and go to the Nationals, he would have been on the list. Um, was Sam Hinkie a good general manager for the Sixers? Yes. Okay. Good. Next <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, like that goes to what I was talking about earlier. Like, w- was it look the process? Was it your cup of tea or not? There's people that, you know, like I said, the old guard, the Negadelphia is like, this is bullshit. We should be trying to get new thinking. It's like, let's try something different. Let's see how this works out. M- maybe we're out foxing the system. And it seems like we did. We just kind of at the same time got unlucky. Right, we got my, unlucky with the mix. My biggest a- problem is it feels like we we weren't willing to commit to the final stage of the process. That we bailed on Hanky, we brought in, uh, you know, the collar, you know, we we you know yeah. burner, you know, yeah. and we 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 didn't commit to those last that last step to you know really put ourselves in position. And Not- you kept your process, coach. During the post-process period. Which is also And that is a no-no. That's a no-no. You don't rebuild with the coach that takes you to the promised land at the end. Like that, I don't know. I'm sure there's examples of it working, but I don't, like, from my experience or, like, what I've seen, it's like you rebuild with a guy, and then when you're all systems go, you switch you switch it up, and then you have, like, a guy come in and go, like, all right, we're changing the culture this is a winning culture. I've won a championship before. This is how we do it. Bop, 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 right. And then you go. Yeah. Um, keeping, keeping Brad who wants to like teach people and like, you're my son and all that stuff. And like, it yeah, doesn't they, win NBA championships. I feel like he's like too close to the player, you know, what, whatever. It's just what, whatever it is, it's not working. And I, I feel like it's because he was the process coach and now we need the post process coach. Right. You need the you need a, a a person that can come in and actually take the car that you've now built and drive it. You know now you have a fast car. Now you need to have somebody that can drive it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
All right, Carson Wentz versus Nick Foles. Like, I'm pretty sure anyone who listens to this show knows where we stand on that. And uh, we don't need to go through that again. And then Joe Giglio versus everyone on on Gabe Kapler. I don't know. Are there any other are there, are there any other debates that you think should be on this list? Well, one the one that I that I thought of just initially that I was surprised was not one of the topics was you know was 93 all Mitch Williams fall? Um, you know. I think that there's certainly room for some conversation to say that, you know, maybe the manager should have put Mitch Williams in that position in game six. Um, You know, I think that time has sort of softened the edge on that blade, Um, you know, but when it happened, there were some really screwed up things that happened to Mitch Williams. Um, But I think that his time here as a broadcaster and just his force of personality has sort of weathered them through winning a world series in 2008 also helped but that was one of those age-old debates as i was growing up was like you know was it for Gosi's fault or was it mitch's fault that joe carter hit that home run um i i'm of the opinion that you know i i think that they probably shouldn't have gone to mitch in that spot yeah i remember i remember all that that year in that postseason um, the kind of the tagline is, you know, dance with the girl that brought you or, or, you know, something of that ilk. It's like, that's what you've done all year. That's what you stick with. And um, I remember my dad saying it and I remember Fergosi saying it quite a bit. And uh, like, that's not, that's not very smart. I mean, no, it's not, it's not the same thing. It, it's, you know, it, it's a 162 game marathon and now you're in a seven game sprint for the championship of the world. Uh, and you've and- got a guy who clearly does not have the same stuff that he had uh, a night ago, a week ago, two months ago. You know what I mean? Like anyone who knew, knew that Mitch Williams was on fumes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I look, you pitched Ben Rivera every fifth day during the season. I didn't see him pitching game five of the world series. So clearly you don't do everything you did in the regular season in the postseason. So if David West is dealing, David West stays in and pitches, you know, right. if Larry Anderson's dealing, Larry Anderson stays in, you Either know, one of those you guys would have been better. New, you need to bring a new fucking pitcher in for every out in the ninth Jim quit smoking cigarettes in the dugout and go out to the mound and pull and put somebody new in, like just win the damn thing. I mean, right. it's not set it and forget it in the postseason. You got to manage, dude. You're a National League manager. Maybe that's why you ran your ass to Toronto afterwards, so you didn't have to do so much managing. Well, you know, and the the uh, that's the thing that we're going to lose in baseball if everybody goes to the to the to the DH. Is we're going to lose that that National League sort of mentality. Now, you know, '93 did not have this three batter rule, which we're going to start experiencing, where if you put a pitcher in, they've got to face three batters. Whether you like that or not, that is reality. It's going to be reality soon. Um, watch how hand, how San Francisco handles their bullpen. Just, it's going to be very interesting to see what San Francisco does. Um, I don't even want to say his name, um, <laughs> but you know, that was that was the, the the debate to me, or one of debates. I mean, you sort of. Did, you, did was there anything else that you felt was a giant omission um, that that they didn't put on this list? 
Um, I, I feel like there's probably something about Buddy Ryan that should have been a, you know, it was Buddy Ryan the greatest Eagles coach, or is it Doug Peterson? I don't know if that's anybody's actually having that conversation. Um, I mean, that, so that is an interesting, um, that would be an interesting conversation. Who is the best Eagles coach of all time? Um, you know, of the, of the modern era, I guess we would say between. Where do you start Reed, that? Like Vermeil? Reed Vermeil. Buddy, uh, buddy, and 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 Doug. Duh. But I mean, like, you have to take Reed out of it though, because he's so obviously, uh, he's so obviously the best, the best coach. Uh, you know, the only the only person that would have a leg up on him would be, would be Doug, uh, because he won the Super Bowl. Although you know, Vermeil got there with the Eagles; they didn't win it. And but Doug's tenure is so short. I guess it is kind of a flawed debate. Wouldn't wouldn't be a very good one. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what, you know, if if Doug has a a long tenure, you know, even if he only wins this one Super Bowl, I hope that that's not what happens. I'd love to see Doug do it again. Um, And I think that if he does win another Super Bowl, I think that that ends any sort of debate, honestly. Um, But, you know, if he goes on to have a five or six more year uh, run here, maybe gets to a couple more NFC Championship games, you know, I think he certainly puts his name into the the conversation. I really then think it's a two horse race between him and Andy Reid. Here's a here's one that that should have been on the list. Gritty or fanatic? Mm. That would have really shown the recency bias there. Well, yeah. And now we're talking about you got new fanatic, right. so it's a problem. Right. It's a problem. The fanatic's a problem in yeah. my mind. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a major problem. I, like, I, I looked. I looked buy, at the list. I don't of the, want fanatic merch. I, I looked at the personnel list for the Phillies for the <laughs> upcoming season. I didn't see his name on there. Is pretty on there? I don't. I don't know if he's making the trip. I don't know if he's going to be. If you're going to be able to quarantine with with the fanatic. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think the fanatics reimaging is a bit of a miss. I, I know that it's recency bias, but I think that gritty is like. Right now, Gritty's number one, man. I mean, I love the fanatic and everything, but the the look I hate. The Gritty's got this like edginess to him, yeah, and it's just like nastiness and like I don't know if it's mischievousness, but yeah, I don't know. There's just something about Gritty that's just really great. Yeah, Gritty kind of like non cuteness of Gritty is great. He sort of has a, a personality that is pretty unique unto mascots. You know what I mean? You you can't think of a lot of mascots that have sort of taken that uh, that bad boy sort of persona. You know, Gritty's not the mascot you'd want your daughter to date, but you know, I think you'd want your daughter to date probably. I don't know the San Diego chicken. Like, do you well, feel I like think he's... people around the league hate Gritty, but Philly really loves them, kind yeah. of thing. And non-sports like fans like Gritty for some reason. Yeah, and I mean, there's a whole conversation around, <laughs> you know, what what Gritty is and how he evolved and how, like, I don't know, he's sort of changing the con, like, what people expect of a mascot, right? Because he's not just like running around waving a flag, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's and just who, different. And, and who when gets I look credited? at other mascots around the league, it's just like that's ridiculous and stupid. Right. You're no, you're doing nothing. You add nothing. Right. Yeah. So I think that would be a good one. Um, what if you go the other way with it and say, like, all right, fifth starter. 
Pavetta or Velasquez? <laughs> well, I would love to end that debate once and for all, and by ending it, have one of them not be on the team anymore. It's it's really a question of like, do you like your shit loose and runny, right, or do you like it hard and constipated? Yeah, I mean that's really the debate you're talking about there. But I, I, if you are, I, I mean, I would love to hear experts weigh in on that debate and really break those two guys down to find out like which situation is going to be the least uh, worst. For I've us. always really believed that Velasquez, if he could mentally get there. No, nah, he's not. He's, he's he could be a really good relief pitcher. Like I really think that he has the the stuff to be like a like a like a setup man, like a classic setup man. He certainly doesn't have the mental makeup to close, but he could be a really good setup man. He just does not. He just has that in his mind that he is a he's a starter, and that's that's. He's just like what as he soon is. as a guy gets on base, you pull him. Yeah. You could you could ride them for as long as you can, but as soon as someone gets on base, you got to pull them. Get them out. And now with the three base thing, the three batter thing, if the if the first guy gets on, you know, it could be right. It could, it could be, be cool. and and it's good. Baseball right now to me Ooh. is in this strange, this strange sort of evolution where it's trying to appease to this new audience that I don't think exists. I don't think that there are people that are sitting around not watching baseball that when they find out that, uh, you know, relief pitchers have to face three batters, they're like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going <laughs> to yeah, check I'm out watching. baseball. I, like, I just don't – I don't know who they're making these rules for. They're not making them for me, the baseball fan. They're not making it for the non-baseball. So who are they making these for? Are they making it just to police guys like Gabe Kapler? Uh, like, I, I just, I just don't. I don't get it. The, the idea of a of a pitch clock that that seems ridiculous. If you don't like baseball, you don't like baseball. Don't destroy the game that I like, that I have grown up watching, to try and find some new audience that probably I, doesn't exist. I honestly think that the MLB needs to do one one single thing to get fans back. And create new fans. Do you know what it is, Gene? Is it retraction? Is it kill off about four bad teams? It wouldn't hurt. Um, it would be NBA comes out, commissioner comes out and says, uh, our change, we will make one change for the season, and that will be all postseason games will start no later than 7.05 p.m. Eastern time. And then, boom, that's it. You fixed baseball. Kids will watch games. You know? The, the all-star game will will start at 7.05. First pitch will be at 7.05. Sure, you want to have pomp and circumstance and call lineups and sing God Bless America and sing the national anthem and do a flyover and have uh, the leapfrogs parachute a flag into the stadium and uh, and all these other like circus things. Sure. But 705 is first pitch for that, every one of these games. That is the biggest problem is that when you have these, these things that create fans, these things that create history, uh, you know, people under 12 aren't watching. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's look, you know, that's what made me a baseball fan was, strangely enough, not really something that happened that was, a you know, a Phillies game, but 
uh, staying up really, really late, beyond, you know, past when I was supposed to be awake, and watching uh, watching Oral Harsizer pitch for pitch for the for the uh, for the Dodgers in '88. That was the first time where I really realized that the people that are the best at this, uh, you know, they're worth watching just do what they do. Uh, even if it's not necessarily your favorite team, sometimes it's worth watching somebody who's just in the zone and great. Uh, but you'll stay up. Thing. You'll stay up. You'll kill yourself. You'll ruin your next day at work. You'll ruin your next day at school. Hell, you might even call out or whatever it is if it's your team. But that keeps it regionalized. If you start these games earlier and you let the kids see Cody Bellinger play or Mike Trout play or uh, Yelich play or, or or Aaron Judge play, that's when you lock in fans of the sport, not just a fan how, of the team. How big would Cody, uh, Cody Bellinger or Mike Trout be? Specifically Mike Trout, how big would he be if he played for the Mets? or if he played for the Red Sox, or if he played for any of these other teams that play in this, you know, the Eastern time zone where the yeah. heartbeat of baseball fandom is. Yeah, but not he's even already... just the East Coast. If it was the Eastern time zone, you're talking St. Louis, Chicago, right? Uh, like Cincinnati. Really, if, if he played in the National League. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, probably. He's doing uh, himself a disservice playing for that god-awful Angels organization. Because yeah. he's not even making the playoffs. That's the other thing. Yeah. I mean, that's something, you know, that's a, that's a, for me, that's like advice for all sports is to, to get the games earlier so people can watch them and, you know, go to work the next day. Even if they're not fans of the team, they just want to see the, the premier teams in the league uh, play one another, but. So are you know. they are they doing this to accommodate the stadium crowds that are? So I think what it is is people watch the beginning of games and then as the game progresses, they either think it's locked up or they get tired, so they leave. So you want the first three innings to be prime time, eight o'clock or nine o'clock, whatever it is, uh, and then as people drift, the ad revenue goes down the later you go but i guess it's better than having the first three innings at seven and then the middle three innings at eight um which maybe a lot of people will have left the game by then or like tuned out so what do you think is is going to happen now in this sort of new world where all of the sports are going to be you know all the teams are going to be in the same place so there's no and there's no fans to be concerned about live so to speak um, what do you think is going to, do you think that we're going to see sort of that adjustment where we're going to see these things happen at all on sort of on East coast time, or are we going to be forced to well, what adjust to like a middle time? Take, so the NBA isn't going to be dumb about this. They're going to take the best matchup and put it at, at the, the prime time slot. So the Sixers might like, if everyone's playing on the same day. I don't know how many, what they have two courts. I think so. So I don't know how they're going to do it. If they're going to just do one game at a time or whatever, but if there's three games a day, it looks like there was four games a day. I think. Let's was say, right, but there's right. four games a day. They're not going to play them con like concurrently. Are they? No, I don't think so. They're going to let you be able to watch every single game. I think there's like a three o'clock, five o'clock, eight o'clock, you know, whatever there's, there's, they're staggered in such a way that 
you'd be able to watch all of them. Yeah, I, I, I guess. You know, I was thinking today I had a reservation um, at Disney in August. Yeah, I, I still hadn't can I still haven't canceled it yet, but I'm going to. Um, but we're staying at the Polynesian, which is, which shares the the beach with the the Grand Floridian. Okay, uh, which is where the Sixers are staying. So I was wondering if we'd be able to. So I mean, are those theme parks open. even open right now? Like, if you were to not cancel, no, like, no, no would they're not be- open now. But um, uh, Disney World is opening. I think it's July 11th or 17th. Um, but I, you know, who knows with the state of Florida. Right now, I know Disney cast members are petitioning to delay the opening. I mean, they don't even want to go back to work. It's so terrifying in Florida right now. Yeah. So do do you think that there's still a chance that all of these grand plans that we have we've put in place to, yeah. to go back to Florida, uh, you know, all these these leagues that are going to put up a bubble, you know, is, is did they pick the right place or should they have gone to Omaha, Nebraska, you know, or should they have gone to someplace else where even if the state itself is, uh, you know, having still having issues that they would have been remote enough that, you know, well, other people aren't going to get in. Yeah. Being remote probably would have helped, but you know, there's a place like Omaha, Nebraska had the facility to hold uh, 22 NBA teams, their entire staff but and personnel. That's interesting and to me. Like if, if, the game. if, if, if Disney world is planning to reopen on July 11th, like, does that mean that like, if you were booked in a room that is now going to Alan, I, Alan Iverson, Christ, if he's playing, we're in real broad trouble. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's you're not staying there. Jo- Joel Embiid, you know, do you not get, you know, Oh, sorry. We had to give your, we had to give your right. team to an all star, your room to an all star. We'll, we'll put you <laughs> over in a, in animation. The uh-huh. only, uh, the only, so I know a lot about Disney. So the only hotels that are being open are um, Disney Vacation Club resorts. So those are all the deluxe level resorts. So there's no all star. Well, also those are room, those are basically private residences, right? Like you have your own entrance and own exit, and you don't not have to- no. I mean the res- the DVC resorts are going to be opened, um, not necessarily the the Vacation Club like condo like things all the rooms in the in the resort are going to be open so like the polynesian they have a dvc element to them but the entire resort is going to be open for people that have booked there so if you were staying at the yacht club which is where um some of the nba teams are are playing i I would imagine that your room got moved to something like the beach club or the boardwalk hotel okay um but you know you got mls there too uh and i don't i don't even i don't know where they're staying i haven't heard and what is what is baseball planning to do well, baseball is uh, is not going to Disney World, that's for sure. <laughs> baseball, isn't baseball having their spring trainings in their home facilities? I know now? that that's where they're having their spring training, but where are they going to play games? Like, are people going to fly into other cities? Yeah. yeah. And you'll just have empty stadiums? Yeah, but they're keeping it regionalized, which is why we play all of our games against the best teams in baseball, basically. Right. So it's just that we play, like, the Northeast, like, the 95 Corridor League. Um. Where are MLS players staying in Disney? Okay. MLS players and personnel will be staying at the Swan and Dolphin. Okay. During the tournament. So I guess far fewer of them. I don't know. <sighs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a another quick thing I wanted to ask about. about- hey, speaking of MLS, that would be a good, uh, a good debate question also. Like why can't MLS crack – 
the top five or be considered the fifth major sport. Yeah, that well, is an interesting thing. Or and like an, as like an add-on, why like why don't the Flyers get the same respect in the city as the other three teams? Well, I mean, Mike Missinelli told you that you know I, when I talk about hockey, you know, people tune out. <laughs> right. I mean, he, he told, right. He, well, and I'll he tell knows. you what. <laughs> if it's any indication, when we put gritty in the title of our show, we get double the listens. Right. Just saying. <laughs> We should call ourselves like the Gritty Cast. Gritty Cast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Gritty Cast. <laughs> I'm Gene. I've never met Gritty, but I, <laughs> I got a story about this. Um, you had another was, one you wanted to bring There up? was something else. Um, so one of the things I was I was hearing about is that Major League Baseball has kind of I, I don't know if they did this by public decree or how they put this information out but if you are um, living with someone who is high risk that you were you you could have the option to not return to play I, I, oh, not, yeah. I don't remember exactly how it was phrased um, but the the debate obviously comes with there are players that are going to have wives that are have babies due. Uh, Bryce Harper, uh, his wife, I mean, he announced that his wife is going to have a baby. Um, how would you feel? How would, you know, how are fans going to feel? Uh, and maybe, uh, you know, in the, in the bigger picture, how do you feel about this, this particular baseball? So let's say everything goes off without a hitch the way they've got it designed. We have a 60 game playoff or 60 game season. We have the playoffs. Everything goes, uh, without, without a hitch. Um, do you look at what happens this season? The same way, judge it the same way that you would any other baseball season, even though it's less than half of what you would normally get. And to me, you judge a baseball player a lot of ways how they are able to compete over an entire season. Um, if you judge some of the best players in baseball over how they did in April or how they did in May, you, you'd probably judge them very differently than over their whole season. But on the second hand, if Bryce Harper said, hey, listen, uh, guys, I don't think that he's going to because he's a different kind of guy. But, um, hey, listen, my wife's pregnant. I can't risk it. So uh, I'll see you next year. I'm going to sit this one out. Um, how do you think that teams would perceive players that would opt – to not return to play this season um, because they're living with someone who is high risk or, or whatever. So a couple of different things there. Um, you know, I think that the, probably the most startling instance of this is the Avery Bradley situation with the Lakers. Uh, he has a six-year-old son that has difficulty recovering from uh, respiratory illnesses uh, which sounds like a case of COVID in that household uh, would be extremely dangerous. Uh, I, honestly, I'm at a place right now where I don't begrudge anybody for making a decision um, for themselves. If now the Lakers can win the championship this year. So that's kind of a big deal. Like you have to see, like I'm sure he seriously sat down and thought about this. You know, it's if he played for the Pelicans, um, it's a no-brainer, right? right? Like, hey, look, we're not going to win the championship. We're just going to, you know, do this thing. Um, and I'm not coming with you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's that's a big deal. Now, if Bryce Harper did it, 
to me, to be honest, like looking at this thing, a 60 game baseball season with expanded playoffs. Is that happening? Expanded playoffs from what I, from what I gather. I mean, we're, we're looking at this thing. You got runners on second to start extra innings. Uh, you know, universal DH too, right? Uh, yeah. Universal DH, this, these, uh, uh, division, uh, alignments. This is to me, in my mind, this is an exhibition season. This is just, look, we're going to play some baseball. It's going to make everyone feel good. We're going to get some money out of it. You know, like everyone's going to make some money where it's not going to be a total loss. Uh, and, you know, every night you get to watch baseball and that's fine. And, you know, whatever. It, to me, it's an exhibition season. I don't care if Price Hard plays or not. I don't care if it's all minor leaguers, to be honest. Like, obviously, I want everyone to play. I think it's going to be the best product. I want to see everyone play. I want to see everyone play at a high level. Um, but if someone says, like, look, I don't feel safe or, uh, you know, I, I got family members that could potentially die if I decide to play and something happens, that's a big deal. So I don't begrudge anybody who makes that decision for their family. I mean, I don't know. Do you feel any differently? I, I would assume not. No, I, I really don't. I I I part of me is glad that that sort of thing was said. I, I what I what I know from being uh, being around Philadelphia and being, you know, there would be a an uproar, uh, unlike you've probably never seen if, you know, anybody who would be considered in the really in the starting lineup, you know, decided that they weren't going to play this season. You know, I, I feel like there would be sort of a a a. The fandom in Philadelphia would probably look down on them. I, now, and, how do you feel about like the Davis Bertans situation? What is his specific situation? Um, he's like, I don't, I'm not going. Uh, I'm a free agent. I don't want to do anything to jeopardize my free agency. Um, whether that's COVID or just an injury resulting from naturally playing basketball in a for a team that has no title aspirations. Uh, I think that there is a certain amount of like there is business to be conducted. Uh, I think that in that particular sense, that is you your way of telegraphing. I'm not coming back to this city that I'm already been contracted to. Uh, so, and I don't know that there's any Sixers that are in this particular position that are going to be free agents next year that are of consequence. But we'll just use Tobias Harris, for example. I know for sure he's not because he just signed a contract. Um, but, like, if Tobias Harris was to say, I'm not going to go because I'm going to be a free agent, um, I think that would be Tobias's way of saying, I'm also not going to be a sixer. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm obviously right, not coming right, right. back. No, yeah, and that's true. So, I mean, um, I would, I would, I would, I would, t that's how I would take it was if you were a, an impending free agent for my team coming up and you're like, I'm not going to finish out the year with you. And basketball is sort of a strange thing because they've already completed a season. To me, baseball is a little different because everybody's starting at zero. Everybody has the exact same chance on paper at the beginning of the season. Now, you're coming back into the NHL, you're coming back into the NBA. You're, you've already played your season to a certain degree. You know whether or not you're realistically have a chance at winning a title. Um, you know, if there were certain flyers that were like, you know what? I, I don't think I want to skate the rest of the year. Um, you know, the flyers are in a really good position right now. 
um, maybe one of the better positions to come out of this whole mess is is the way that the Flyers sort of sit in in their their slot. You know, that would be very disappointing if somebody of consequence, if Carter Hart was like, you know what, I've got a chance that I could be a free agent next year. I'm not going to goaltend for the Flyers for the rest of it. You know, that would be a huge disappointment because he's a key cog in the machine. Um, so you know, there would be that would be one of the things I would wait, but you know. Both the winter sports teams are still in serious contention to compete for a title. Are they likely? Uh, no, probably not. But, you know, you can't say with they have a, a zero chance to win a championship. No. Yeah, you're right. So I would hope that everybody who has contributed over the course of the year would want to continue to play. If there was no yeah. factor at home, like a like a son or daughter that would get sick, you know, because just where, basically like, what you're saying is I'm willing to to be isolated from my family for four to six months. Right, but it's the equivalent. Uh, like, if it's not a COVID-related concern, if you're just saying, like, I'm a free agent after the season, I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. I mean, it would be the equivalent of saying, like, all right, there's 10 games left in the season. This isn't looking so hot. I'm out. Um, see you guys in the offseason. Like that, that would never be tolerated. Right. And shouldn't be. I, I think, I mean, that's kind of a dick move to me that you would do that. And I wouldn't want my team to sign someone that would do that. Right. No, I agree. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that that is not widespread across the leagues. I'm hoping that in this case, that if, if it is reasonable to continue to play safely, that everybody who can will. All right. Well, much like Angelo Cataldi, let's sign off now. Yeah. Uh, hey, we're not going to have a show next week, right? No, we're we're, we, we are going to celebrate the uh, Independence Day uh, by taking the week off. <laughs> All right, right on. So we'll so see we'll you the week back. after next. We'll Everyone have the- a uh, happy and safe 4th of July. Safe in lots of different ways. Yeah, don't, don't be like, uh, what was that, Jason Pierre-Paul and lose a couple of fingers? Yeah. Yeah. Especially if be... you're unless you're a defensive lineman for the Giants, in which case blow off both your hands. <laughs> We're the Cowboys, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, careful with those fireworks, everyone. Have a good fourth of July. We'll be back uh the week after next. Um with yay, yeah, we'll be talking about some actual stuff when we come back. So that's that's super exciting. Uh if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also so check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Z- just search Potadelphia. Have a great day at work, everybody. We're out of here.